What does Martin Luther, undersized undies, and a rapper have in common? This week's episode of The Booterverse. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 30 of the Booterverse. We have a very special episode for you today. Hip-hop artist Shiesty Christ is with us, and we couldn't be happier. Judy Scheinbaum answers all of his questions, and of course we end with some Booter thoughts for you, all on today's episode of the Booterverse. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Hazelnuts. Hazelnuts. They're not green, they're not blue, they're just sort of hazel. And now for news in my orbit. When photos of Pablo Sandoval arriving at spring training were released last week, Red Sox Nation had a meltdown. The problem? Sandoval is looking a tad ample. The outcry and disbelief has prompted Major League Baseball to make a surprising public apology for the state of the third baseman. This obviously comes as a huge shock to fans that there would be a sort of pudgy player out there on the field for this or any other team. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said as he prepared to tackle his first major controversy since taking office in January. He went on to acknowledge that baseball has always been a sport associated with svelte, Adonis-like physiques, and now we've let somebody slip through who is more Michael Moore than Michael Jordan. We couldn't be more dismayed. By way of placating legions of outraged fans, Manfred declared that Sandoval would be placed on a juice cleanse and shipped back to Boston to shovel snow until he more closely resembles the physical standard the sport is known for. And starting on opening day of the coming season, all concessions at Major League ballparks will be 33% larger at no additional cost. It may still seem like a long time until spring, but Manfred hopes the promise of seeing all those fit and trim boys of summer will make it worth the wait. In toy news... Playmobil, the German toy company famous for its small figurines, says its Martin Luther doll is its best-selling product ever. An entire run of 34,000 plastic replicas of the 16th century church reformer sold out in three days and pre-orders are being accepted for another batch of miniature dolls scheduled to be available in April. And while this would seem to be good news, it has actually created a sizable dilemma for Playmobil. Now they are feeling pressured to create coordinating play sets and are coming up short. While he was an important historical figure, the company says, unlike their other popular figurines of knights and kings, Luther really didn't do very much that was terribly exciting. The only thing they have come up with so far is a 95 Theses playset, which would feature a replica of the document Luther nailed to the door in 1517, along with a hammer. The nail itself, of course, would not be included, as it would be problematically tiny. Suggestions for other figurines such as Superhero Luther with cape and Steampunk Luther with working ion revolver have all been rejected as probably historically inaccurate. Even Playmobil's figurine of German Renaissance artist Albert Dürer has proved easier to accessorize. The Venetian Years playset featuring three tasseled hats and a pubescent male lover has been a steady seller, as has the figure-drawing fun box with easel and nude model. Until the 95 Theses set goes into production this summer, Luther enthusiasts will have to content themselves with the quill and Bible that come bundled with the figurine, and Playmobil admits that they will have to plan a bit better with their German heritage toys in the future. 
At this time, rumors of a planned Hitler Adventure World line slated for a 2017 release could not be confirmed. Turning to Canada, a Canadian retailer is feeling the pinch after their underwear caused that country's parliament to grind to a halt last week. Winnipeg MP Pat Martin was participating in a vote on a procedural motion when he suddenly jumped up and ran from chambers. The House of Commons was thrown into confusion as nobody seemed to know whether or not a vote is valid if an MP leaves while results are still being tabulated. When Martin returned moments later, he was taken to task by the deputy speaker, who demanded to know the reason for his abrupt departure. Martin explained that he had purchased a package of underwear from the Hudson Bay's company on deep discount that ended up being improperly sized. The underwear were too small for him, causing him to, quote-unquote, find it difficult to sit for any length of time. He said he didn't intend to forfeit his right to vote, he just needed to make a very important adjustment or two to his personal attire. The points of order manual was consulted, but no precedent could be found for issues relating to unmentionables, too tight, or otherwise. After several hours of deliberation, it was decided that Martin's vote would indeed be allowed to stand, but that he would be forbidden to sit for the remainder of the day to avoid any further garment crises. It crossed my mind that it might explain the behaviors of a lot of world leaders if their underwear was a size too small, Martin quipped, clearly none too ruffled by his wardrobe malfunction. The same cannot be said for the House of Commons, however, who has sued the Hudson Bay Company for lost productivity due to shoddy craftsmanship and a, quote, gross disregard for the appropriate labeling of mantis. They are also planning to hold a hearing soon to address whether or not the rules of order should officially be amended to cover such situations. But to prevent any additional loss of productivity, they anticipate the meeting will be brief. And that's been it for News in My Orbit. Today's episode of The Booterverse is brought to you by the Woolly Mammoth. The Woolly Mammoth, because like the 70s, seeing that much hair on something is truly terrifying. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Booterverse podcast. I have a very special guest with me in the studio today, Shiesty Christ, a wonderful hip-hop artist, is in the house today. Shiesty, it's great to have you here on the show. It's my pleasure to be here. No, it is our pleasure to have you here. Shiesty, your last name, Shiesty Christ, what do you have in common with Yesu Christe? Um, that would be absolutely nothing, mm. um, but I'm trying. You have dreads. I always appreciated and, and think of my Christ as having like dreads as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it certainly makes uh, uh, the Christ a little prettier, mm. to say the least, you know, a little sexier. It does. Yeah. Ooh, sexing up Sexy Jesus. Sexy Christ. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, have you <laughs> thought about that yeah, as a no, name? I haven't, but you mm. know, I think we just did it. Shiesty Christ, a.k.a. Sexy Christ. <laughs> mm. With a K, though. With a K. You don't want to get too close. No, 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 no. I have to have, to have a K. So, Shiesty, you've come out with a new album called Cold Winter, why not hot summer or mild spring or even temperate fall? <laughs> Coming. Coming. Oh, I like that. <laughs> a man for all seasons. I, I see what you did there. That was, mm. that was brilliant. Mm. It's like I it just came up with it off the spur of the moment. It's, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so what was the inspiration for this new album of yours? It's um, a first solo record. And, um, and I don't know. I don't know if there's any inspiration. I just try to tell, I try to make a visual album. I try to really make an album that um, that you had to, uh, when I grew up, you had to sort of read it, an album cover as you were, you know, listening to your music. And I wanted to make an album that, um, that, that part of it was still intact. So. 
So this is something that somebody should listen to all the way through, front to back. No doubt about it. You have to listen to it from top to bottom. How many times do you think I've listened to it so far? Uh, zero. Twice. <laughs> I've listened to the whole thing twice. True story. I went to sleep with it on the other night. It was wonderful. Night, nightmare night. Did you have dreams, though? That was the... That was the that... Always have <laughs> dreams. Very, very interesting. No, I actually liked it. I yes. liked it quite a bit. And I don't want to get too deep into it because the listeners may not have listened to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But, of course, I recommend that you go and listen to it. it it's actually really quite good. Uh, I had an affinity for, actually, Ice Capades and Havana Nights. I, I, it's funny. Uh, I hear... I hear that a lot about those particular tracks. Someone told me last night they said they got chills when Havana Nights came on. Well, I got chills, but only because I sleep in a cave. Exactly. Um, and by cave, you know, it's a luxurious marble-lined palace. But, you know, it's of cold. Cold inside. Absolutely. You know, I mean, people think it's warm. No. Not no. so much. No, not so much at all. So, Shiesty, back to the album. Why do you think... Uh, Ice Capades and Havana Night has had such a great response. Feel. Those are two feel records. All the records on the record are feel records. But I think those uh, Ice Capades just really kind of hit you in a kind of hit you in this movement kind of way. Well, what I really like about the album and what I think is interesting about it is not only is it raw, I mean, because you're, you're, you almost get the sense that it's not exactly finished there are a couple tracks that kind of leave you in sort of mid feel and you're like what is yes. going on here and i thought it was also interesting that you bring in something that sounded like a 1940s radio show yes. to some old school r&b yes. um really a lot of different influences coming into this album how did you compile that how did you go about constructing uh, this piece yeah i'm, I'm a weirdo you know, I, it's well. right, um, and it, it it's it's funny that you mention uh, things somewhat uh, sounding sort of incomplete. It's when you're designing a record. Sometimes uh, we're used to a structure, um, you know, eight bar hook, um, sixteen you know sixteen bar verse, and then some long grandiose outro, and that's kind of how our ears are trained. And what I wanted to do is get a, I wanted to pull people out of that. And really connect the songs, and you know uh, where when one ends, you feel both satisfied and dissatisfied, but then you're into this next uh, song, you know. Um, and so that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be an album. Do you think there's a resurgence now in music in general to sort of go back to, and I don't mean this as a cliche, but kind of go back to some musical roots to yes. try to reclaim some of the musicality that may have been lost yes. in the last decade of sort of digital? Yes, ridiculousness. no doubt about it. MP3s, and I mean, they're they're brilliant because they help us to compartmentalize music, but they also have taken so much of the music away from the music itself that um, that a lot of us don't even know how to listen to music now. So yes, I do. I feel like those of us who kind of want to go back are really uh, into resuscitating and rescuing music as we knew it then um, in in MP3H. So yes. Speaking of resuscitating things. You, my friend, were part of a group called the Cunning Linguists. Yes, yeah. I can't say how much I love the name of that. It's a great name. I wonder. I wonder why. I'd, I'd be curious as to why you you like that 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 name. It just rings with you. It just it just it uh, sort of slips off the tongue. Really rolls <laughs> off the tongue. It rolls off the tongue. Absolutely. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why exactly. <laughs> so. You come from this group sort of mentality. How many people were in that? Well, so they're still active. Um, uh, I, I've had the pleasure of working with um, Deacon and No and Natty 
uh, and even SOS. SOS was an original member of uh, of Cunning Linguist, uh, and I've had the, the the pleasure of working with those guys. They're still doing work, still making brilliant albums, still like you know, still doing it. Do you think they're being heard? Yes. Yeah, their their international market is actually really is is really solid. What makes you think that you're going to be heard? I I don't worry about it. You don't worry about no, it. No, I don't. I'm an artist. Um and anyone who knows me will tell you I I'm probably the weirdest person you know with music. I have no desire to accomplish anything other than art. Anything else is secondary for me. So would you say that this is sort of like uh, you know a painter who has a small show, yes. you know, and if it blows up and somebody pays a million dollars for yeah. a piece, awesome. S so but be it. Do you find that if something is commercially successful, yeah. that on some level art has been sacrificed? Yeah, uh, you you well sometimes you get into feel. Most of the records that uh, that are sort of poppy or popular records, they they are feel records, right? Right. Sure. They just have a certain kind of feel to them, and so that's what resonates with people. Um, and we did a show last night, in fact, where someone, we, we were playing music and doing sort of songs in a very interesting and regular kind of way. And then we just sort of broke it down to um, an acapella set. Oh, nice. Just sort of impromptu uh, acapella set. And a girl comes up to me after and she says, she says, she says I want to I thank you for doing that. She said, because as a, someone who listens to music, often I, I can't really understand what's going on in the music, I just feel the music. I feel the beat. Mm. And so by taking the music away, you help me to to lock in to kind of what these people were saying. Now, do you, you feel know? like it's always been about the feel on some level? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Because I wonder, you know, there are albums that make me think. Yeah. There are albums and songs that are very intellectually curious. Yes. But when we see something on the pop level, generally speaking, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of substance mm -hmm. to it. Um, and, you know, I, I think Nicki Minaj, for example, got a lot of, um, a lot of flack, yeah. um, from going to someone who had a lot of what I can only imagine would be considered street cred. Yeah. And then because she's become so popular, a lot of people who knew her in the past have sort of disavowed all the work that she had done yeah. and, or said that she was a sellout or something like that. Congrats to her. In, in, indeed. I, I kind of feel the same way. And you know, she was able to transition a very street and urban yeah. and, and, and wonderful kind of music and take some of that message and I think reach the audience, you know, a that wider... That she would not have reached otherwise. Absolutely. By becoming a pop musician. Absolutely. Yeah. But street cred, street cred is, 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 is something that's really funny because if you base your art on street cred alone, at some point you become unbelievable, right? Mm. So if you're 20 years old or you're 25 years old and you're sexy and you've got, you know, 50 tattoos... You know, and, and, you know, you're very interesting. People people will flock to you. But if you're 40 years old and you've got lots of tattoos, you, you probably seem more... People pity you. Oh. So at some... at Right? At oh, some right. So at some point, well, at some point, street cred is not going to get you everything that you desire. Well, Shasti, as a man who has a lot of street cred, <laughs> as I walk, you know, down the street, people know. Yeah, I, so, oh, I there's no doubt, oh, no doubt about and, it. And, you know, I just sort of wonder, will it ever wear off? <laughs> no. Well, no. for you, no. Oh, stop. For the rest of us, yes. How do you feel about bow ties? I love bow ties. See, I think most of my street cred comes from my, my wearing of the bow yes, ties. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, you know, and, and when I, you know spent uh, those 30 days in county of course i had my bow tie with me just in case right that's a, yeah 
And by 30 days in county, you mean the next county over because you had some business to attend to uh, over there at the county? I don't I don't want to. I mean, maybe <laughs> it, it could have been Orange County and I might have been in a hotel. Right, I don't, right. Absolutely. It's I don't 30 know. 30 days in county. Indeed. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but again, street cred. It goes a long, long way, you know, and I think people know. When I see you making this album, again, going back to sort of an old school hip hop mentality, yeah. I, I actually am a huge fan of 90s hip hop. I, I really love it. And I felt like in the last couple decades, you know, we've, we've sort of lost something yeah. and sort of rumblings that I'm hearing. And again, I'm at a very superficial level. Sure. Um, but I kind of get a sense that we're going back to some of that. Yeah. Um, do you find that this album is a way for people to take that bridge and, and get back to maybe yeah. things that have been lost? Yeah, it's an analog record. Um, it's a record that we used uh, sort of old analog equipment on. And because of that, we really wanted to remind people of things then. Uh, but we also wanted to make a record that sounded like, unlike anything you've, you've ever heard before. So so if you can if you can sort of inject the sense of the 90s uh, into a sense of 2090, <laughs> then that I think that's probably what we what we did. Interesting, in because there's a lot of record hiss on the actual yeah. uh, you know album itself. Yeah. Was that intentional, or yeah. was that just the equipment itself? No, it was it, it was, it was intentional. Uh, it, uh, that's a great question, actually. Um, so when you work with people, um, people who are mixing a record or people who are massing a record, um, the first thing, the things that they're taught in in you know, sort of in their in their schools, are how to remove those kinds of things from the artifact itself. But um, because they're imperfections, they are they because they are quote unquote, unquote imperfections exactly. But we wanted to um, to maintain the hiss and the crackle and the pops and the things like that that make the music seem very very real. Because so much music these days is medicinal; it's really pulled. You know, people are, are taught to pull those kinds of things out. We need to get rid of those things. Those are bad things no we, th those for us were very good things interesting yeah when i listened um to the track called life yeah um how did you get uh, a member of alvin and the chipmunks to be on that? you know that's great that's that's a great <laughs> that's a that's a great you know point i'll tell you we we talked to uh, theodore mm. right and we talked to calvin um and they were definitely open to to being uh, and you know, on this record, I love that. Yeah, they took pity. They took pity on us, um, and uh, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. Well, I mean, they've been around for decades. <laughs> I mean, these are vermin that have been with us for a long time. Long time. Part of the American zeitgeist, <laughs> if you will. Absolutely. And I will. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Also, um, Major Tom. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about that. How did you, I mean, what was in your mind when you're like, yeah. I need to sort of sample this yeah. for this album? Well, it's, well, one, I'm a big, I'm a big, um, I'm a big fan of, of David Bowie. I mean, I, I think. David Bowie. David Bowie. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, and it's shiesty. It's so good. Yeah, no, you know, know. It's so good. It, it, that's, that's pretty solid. That, that's really solid. Oh, I know. He, um, you know, it's, uh, David Bowie to me is kind of like, um, it's kind of like Miles Davis uh, in that um, he has a strange way of sort of inventing and reinventing himself decade in and decade out. Mm. Um, He's and kind of the Madonna. He is the Madonna. And then he came back and he put that brilliant record out He last did. It was year. quite good, actually. Really, really good. I mean, like, a really, really... I, I thought the... I thought the, the deluxe edition might have been a little much 
for that record. I mean, all the, all the makeup. Yeah, you know what I mean? Of course, he's got it. Yeah, exactly. But um, I think other than that, um, you know, I don't need a, a record with like 23 or 24 records on it, you know. But um, I thought it was a brilliant record. And he just continues to kind of come back and, and do that. So to your question, um, uh, what's a way to, to take something that's been used before and subvert it and make it something in, entirely different? And now, when I think of subverting something, yeah. I think it's oftentimes used as sort of a negative. Yeah. But I don't think you're no. you're talking about it in that context. No, 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 no. Taking something and making something new from it, which is what the idea of sampling uh, is, but it's also uh, what you do is you increase the conversation, right? So if you so the song we're talking about is the song Control, which is the last record on the record, um, and so that song has something very specific that's being sort of talked about on it. Right. You know, uh, you know, tell my wife, you know, you know, it's a man floating in space. And it really it's like a drug song. Really. It's you know. <laughs> I'm not going to say I felt that way when <laughs> you know I, mean? I when I was you listening know. to it. Yeah. But I may. Have. Yeah. It's like a drug uh, it, song. It, it does kind of give that. Yeah. Give that, that kind vibe. of feel. Yeah. But it's it, yeah, it's just taking something like. So taking what he's talking about originally and then applying sort of a new idea to it. And then that forces you to think about not only the original in a different kind of way, but also this new thing in a different kind of way, you know, um, because you're melding two ideas and that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. The, the interesting part about sort of copyright laws in general are one, they're archaic, right? And, and they're, they're not reasonable for the most part, right? You have people who have, um, who have records, um, out there that people would never hear otherwise, you know? So you have a lot of artists who are taking found material um, and reusing that material and often giving light to those artists. I came up in an, in an era when um, James Brown um, was uh, was sampled a lot, right? It's why, like the would, most, why wouldn't you? Yeah, he's like the most sampled artist maybe in the history of the, in the history of the world. At least at that time he was. And it, what's funny about it, he was dead in the water. I mean, you had a guy who had a who had his run from the late. 50s to up until the late 70s where he really became a washed up you know drug Absolutely, you know yeah. druggy essentially and so people were taking these records they're making new records out of him they're giving life to 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 James Brown again they're giving life to to other other folk again i think what sampling often can do this isn't the the bigger argument uh, for it what sampling can can do is it can take an artist who never got shine and make um, make people understand or um, uh, come back to that that person's work. Do you think there are limits, though? For example, I mean, um, Vanilla Ice. Yes. Right. Yeah. Ice Ice Baby. Yes. That that beat. Yes. I mean, come on. Do, do it was we, fun, though. It was fun. Listen, I love that song. Yes. I think. I mean, yes. Listen, you can't look look what he did with it. Yes. But yet, if I'm an artist and I came up with that, yes. You know, do I not have the right to say, "Hey, listen, man, you you stole my you stole my but beat"? All mu- but here's the funny part about it: all music is theft, right? Period. All music is theft. If you look at structure, song structure, if you look at rhythm structure, if you look at the fact that you have certain number of keys that are being utilized and being used, all music is theft. And I always find it very interesting when people hold this idea that somehow uh, they've done something original. There's very little uh, there's very little originality in music when you there's a lot of originality in music when you look at it in a vacuum right um, um, you know Bob Dylan is original 
uh, Arlo Guthrie and Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie mostly is original. Right. Right. You know, um, but then you realize that that no, Woody Guthrie wasn't original. What Woody Guthrie was doing was was appropriating gospel and soul gospel soul songs and then applying a bluegrass aesthetic to them. Bob Dylan wasn't original. What Bob Dylan was doing was pretty much the same kind of thing, but he was applying this sort of new philosophy to them. So no, uh, so even the people that we would call the most original, Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, blah, blah, blah. Those guys are borrowing and taking and reutilizing and repurposing what's already there. Well, and, and that's a great question because if we are all just on some level taking what's already there and repurposing it yes. through our own lens. Yes. It's not a question of the content, but it's a question of the context. Sure. Well, what conversation do you hope your album will spark in individuals? So here's what's weird about that. I don't know what it, I don't know what, I don't know that I have an answer to that. Um, I, so as an artist and this is, and, 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 and just me will, will attest to this uh, as as an artist, you don't own a piece of art once you put it out. That art no longer belongs to you. I knew what I was creating when I was creating Cold Winter. What I don't know is how that record is affecting people. It no longer, that experience no longer belongs to me. So I don't have, the only hope I had was putting it out and saying, I can contribute to the conversation about society or I can contribute to the conversation about what it means to be a human being or uh, to be a person or be a person of color or to be a young man. But what I can't do is I can't determine for people how they visualize or see something. So I don't really have any, like it doesn't belong to me anymore. Cold Winter is no longer mine. It's a record that I did, but it doesn't belong to me. Hmm. You know? Speaking speaking of young men, who is that handsome young fellow on the cover? I'll tell you, he's, he's an evil guy. I don't know. I just found that picture. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's uh that's me. Um mm. that's me. I was 5 years old in that in that picture. Precocious yeah. as always. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was around a time that I and I I had my first haircut. I had to show you guys a picture. Um, oh, oh, we'd love you know. to see that. Yeah, absolutely, but uh um that was uh my first haircut came when I was about four and a half years old. So, I had uh like now I had very long hair. Blonde hair too, by the way. I'm a natural blonde, so well, aren't we all? No, no, really, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I'm a natural blonde. <laughs> I would like to see pictures then. Absolutely. I got you. Now, at this part of the show, we're coming to an end. We give our guests the opportunity to share and say whatever they want. Yeah. The open mic to our listeners. Um, I would venture to say you might have some things to say. Yeah. Just Me is the greatest rapper of all time. I just want to say that. Um. <laughs> the world will soon see that you know um but yeah I, i'm just happy to be here really happy to be here with you guys well we are happy to have you here shicey christ has been on the show with us today and sir i would just like to thank you once again for being on the show thank you thank you for being awesome well we will be right back right after this Buddha. today's episode of the Buddhaverse is brought to you by soy sauce Soy sauce. It's like brown salt in liquid form. Welcome back. Rappers Just Me and Shiesty Christ have stuck around to ask Judy Shinebaum some questions in a segment we like to call The Last Lung with Judy. Judy, the show is yours. Oh, hello, Emery. Thank you so much for having me on. It is a pleasure. And let me tell you, Shiesty Christ, you, sir. I tell you what, I haven't been this close to my Lord and Savior. Well, not my Lord and Savior. I'm Jewish. 
seriously, my lord and savior is a pack of all mouths and a stiff bourbon, but go on. I hear you have some questions. Judy, how do you feel about um, toe fungus? Oh my god, toe fungus, seriously. I once had a great aunt, her name was Elda, and I want you to know, the woman had toe fungus that smelled like the bottom of a forest. I swear she had mushrooms growing out of there. I don't know how she did it. The pigs were sniffling truffles, you know, and I just said, Aunt Elda, you got to get rid of that. She used some tough actin to act it, and I want you to know it went right away. So that, my sweetheart, is how you get rid of it. Next. Judy, what can I do to peel my wife away from the TV and, and give me some attention? Oh, just me. I love that question. Seriously, honey, if she is glued to the TV and not somewhere else, I want you to know perhaps it's a personal problem. There are professionals that you can go consult, but if you ask me, I would just pop in a video of a sort of a tawdry nature and see, uh, you know, what happens. If she likes the TV that much, maybe uh, it'll get her in the mood. But you have to use the VCR, though. These new CDs are just not worth it. I must tell you, you've got to go analog. None of this digital stuff. Next. Judy, Backstreet Boys or New Kids on the Block? Okay, I think people know I have a little bit of a thing for the New Kids on the Block. It was the hair, and I just, I, mm, they are now going to be in concert, and I, I may have tickets. Um, I'm, mm, they are just so... Wonderful. I remember in the 90s, I was a balmy 35 years old, and I thought to myself, Judy, you have to meet these boys. I have yet to do so, but I have tickets for the fall, and I am excited. Mm. Judy, uh, uh, fashion-wise, Adidas or Nike? Sweetheart, for you, go FUBU. What I want you to know is this. You can't have enough velour. And you, sir, need to deck yourself out in a lovely velour tracksuit. Because, son, if you are white and a rapper, there's really nowhere else you can go. Next. Judy, uh, what kind of mixed drink uh, should we have to, to, to get in the mood with our significant other? Oh, sweetheart, I love all this love advice. And I think people know I do have a daughter, so I did something right. And about five exes, so I guess you know where I stand in their department. But what I always do is make a lovely Manhattan. It'll get you in the mood. And what better than to have a little homage to the city that I love. Next. What is your favorite movie of all time? Oh. My favorite movie? That is a good question. Uh, I have to say A Few Good Men. First of all, I need Jack Nicholson on that wall. I want him on that wall. That's true. And, you know, you can come down there in your white uniform and say, oh, listen, I eat breakfast 5,000 yards away from 400 Cubans that are trained to kill me. And I love that movie. Next. Judy, um, Tom York... Tom Hanks or Tom Selleck? Honestly, sweetheart, Tom Petty. All right, boys. You're just sitting here. You've got one last question. Let's let, wrap it up, and that'll be it. One final question for the both of you. Judy, uh, what is your favorite kind of rap music? Do you like gangster rap? Do you like old school? What, what does it for Judy? Oh, a lot of things do it for Judy, I'll tell you that much right now. But let me tell you, I like a little Run DMC. I'm not going to lie about it. Or perhaps a little Sir Mix-a-Lot, you know, because I have a little junk in the trunk, if you know what I mean. You can't have a woman in a moo-moo without knowing Sir Mix-a-Lot, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And I have a big butt, and that cannot lie. 
You know, that's been it for the last song with Judy. I love you all. And we'll be right back, right after this. Today's episode of The Booterverse is brought to you by Squeegees. Squeegees. It's like a good relationship. Soft on one side and razor sharp on the other. And now, for Booter Thoughts. Have you ever been traveling and wondered, why do I have this rolly bag? It's like the toddler of luggage. It doesn't go straight, it wants to go off in different directions, the handle keeps coming down, and then it's up, and then it's down, and then it's up, and then it's down again, and it's just a bit of a mess. So do what I do. The booter always travels with a valet. If you don't have one, you should invest. I know that we're coming out of the recession, and now is the time for you to get a manservant. Yes, I know it seems a bit cliche, but seriously, there's no better way to travel. I mean, think about your reduction of overhead luggage. Let's save some space for the mom with three kids, because it's not like she's got anywhere else to go. Just think about that overweight passenger sitting next to you. Aren't they going to be happy that you, yes you, now have a buffer between them and yourself? Of course your manservant can sit between you and that unwanted traveler. It is the best way to go. So do what I do, do what the booter does, and always travel not with an extra piece of luggage, but with an extra person. And that's been it for Booter Thoughts. Here at the Booterverse, we'd like to send a special thanks to hip-hop artists Shiesty Christ and Just Me for being on the show. We'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Of course, we'd like to thank Courtney and Sonny, who help on the production side, and to Quadrants, who composed our theme song. If you haven't had enough of me here, I'm also everywhere on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, under the handle, The Booter. And of course, we're also on Pinterest, because, you know, men should be on Pinterest? I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is only a click away.